Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ten randomly selected questions. One person's reputation on the line. This is Trampled Bet Versus The Lockdown Football Quiz with John Walker Today's competitor is My name's Niall McCorn, I'm from The Sports Social We do a podcast every single day called Football Social Daily There's just so, you do so much good work. There's just so much content that's hard. I've got a million and one podcast. It's hard to keep up with even Premier League stuff. <laughs> Thanks, mate. No, it is tough. I mean, the, the benefit is, I mean, in our office, we've got a range of, of different football supporters. You know, we're based in Manchester, but we're not all City and United fans. And I'm a Portsmouth fan, so I kind of come from it at a neutral perspective, obviously, apart from a lot down the road that we don't really like too much um but you know we've got um west brom fans in the office newcastle fans uh, west ham fans we've got all sorts of different range of supporters so i think that kind of makes it uh, a decent mix to be honest i mean i think it would be a bit boring if it was just sort of arsenal liverpool manchester united fans the whole time yeah, yeah and that, that is we were talking to somebody yesterday so there's a guy from up here who do a podcast called the uh, the boys versus blue nose and it's like it's a rangers and celtic podcast sure which it was really funny because if you do a Rangers podcast up here, you're guaranteed to alienate 50% of the city. If you do a Celtic <laughs> podcast, you alienate the other 50%. But if you do a Rangers and Celtic podcast, you're pretty much hated by about 90%. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no one likes that idea. <laughs> but it's actually really good. Just what you were talking about, there's a bit of nuance. It's actually a bit of back and forth. There's not the same agreement. It's actually a discussion around football. Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's good as well. Like We're not all... You know, we're all mates that do the show, but we don't all agree with each other. We do get a bit spiky with each other at times, which is kind of, it's just, it's just natural. It's like if you went down the pub and had a dis- debate about, I don't know, Harry Kane with your mates, it, it kind of feels a bit like that in the studio. So, I mean, some people have this irrational hatred for players that just makes no sense, <laughs> which is just like down the pub, which is good. I fall Arsenal on my English team, so I don't think a Harry Kane hatred is irrational. I think it's definitely acceptable. <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Um, so you are a Portsmouth fan. Um, how are you feeling about the the way things are going just now? We just had somebody from the, the Cobblers to Me podcast on. So I think League One and League Two have discussed first to eighth place playoffs. Is that correct? Yeah, that sounds like what's been the situation in the papers, although I'm not 100% convinced um, how accurate those talks are just purely right. because I mean it's going to be the same in every league I mean I know what's happened up in up in Scotland where they've decided to draw a line under it I don't think that's impressed too many people I think the issue is you've got some of the smaller clubs I mean we've seen Colchester who are sixth in league two have released five or six of their players early from their contracts because they can't simply afford to pay them so they've released their skipper one of their strikers and they're they're in the league two playoffs so that's just like incredible when you think about it um Accrington Stanley's owner 
in League One, they've been banging on about ending the season just financially. It doesn't suit them. But at the same time, they're probably not as in the playoff picture as a club like, I don't know, my team, Portsmouth, for example. I mean, we, I think we personally should have been doing a little bit better this season than we have been. But I mean, if, if that's the way that, that, that things turn out, that's the way things turn out. I'm sure if we were ninth in the table, we'd be a little bit disappointed that, you know, that was the way that they were going to go. But seeing as we are in the playoff spots, I mean, we're comfortable, we're happy as Portsmouth fans, but yeah, I, I, just, I just don't know what the situation is. I think, I think personally the EFL is more inclined to play the season out in the Premier League. I don't know right, why, okay. I just got this feeling that if they were going to draw a line under anything, it would be the Premier League. And then the EFL, I think there's more permutations, there's more clubs, there's more difficulties. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know what the what what the answer is. Does anyone? I mean, no, everyone's going to be annoyed, aren't they? Whatever decision gets made. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I was that was the thinking for me as well. I think um, you guys were in decent form since the third of the year, but like the last couple of games, pretty much since the Arsenal FA Cup game, maybe slipped to be back two defeats and a draw. But you were still what six points off of pretty much top top spot as well, even in being in fourth place. Um, but yeah. we we had this bizarre scenario. See, even if you ignore the the gold fishbowl that is Rangers Celtic up here. There's our League One in Scotland. Um, Rafe Rovers have been given the championship and the promotion, and they're one point ahead of the team in second. Yeah. And out of a ten-team league, mathematically they could still finish seventh. Yeah, yeah. Which is just like it's just it's just mayhem. But I think for us, we were trying to say that it's not even so much the prize money; it's the fact that if you call it, call the season call it a day. Folk can then look at their season tickets again and TV money, sponsorship money, new kits, and actually get all the revenue that pretty much is going to sustain them for the next 12 months. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. And I think we, we discuss this on our podcast. It's We're almost moulded into this convention that the season has to finish at the start of May and start again at the start of August. <laughs> like, why, there is almost like, oh, no, what are we going to do for next season? But I see what you mean, but I think kits will still come out at the same time. I think yeah. all of these things are these things are agreed like eight, ten months in advance. I mean, I imagine the CEOs at most clubs have seen the kits for next season yeah. around Christmas time, so everyone knows what's going on there. I, I do see that. I mean, I just, I just think that um, I think people take it for. <laughs> It was, it's been annoying me when people have been saying, oh, we, we can't talk about when football's coming back because it's disrespectful. And I totally understand that in the current climate that people are saying that. But at the same time, football provides so many people with jobs and income. You know, it's, it's a billion dollar, in, uh, billion pound industry in this country. So, I mean, if you, if you take that away, the economy is going to suffer. So I think that it's not disrespectful for people to talk about things that they enjoy coming back. I don't, I don't think, I think people are getting confused. I think the people that are calling it disrespectful for talking about football returning are those people that work in football themselves. It's been <laughs> colleagues it's been it's been colleagues of mine that've said, oh we can't talk about it. It's disrespectful. Whereas no one else has actually no one's said anything about this situation um outside of this. Like no NHS workers have said, oh we can't talk about football coming back. It's disrespectful yeah. to us. You know, um and they're doing an amazing job. I mean I imagine there's a fair fair chunk of key workers who were buzzing for football to come back when it eventually does so you know <laughs> yeah I, just find, I find it a bit strange I mean the people that are talking about it being disrespectful are those people that actually work in football which I find odd maybe they just want more time off I don't know it's um it's it's not difficult everyone but it's our society a wee bit it's the it's a single thought it's the idea that you can't have more than one thought rattling around your head at any one time it's yeah. the why would you spend money on refugees when we've got homeless people in the UK and you go you can care about both 
yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like I still care about the NHS yeah. and everyone dying, but I would like to watch football on a Saturday as well. Yeah, it's almost as if you know, if 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 we were talking, if twenty thousand people had died of liver disease, and we were talking about the pubs coming back and being open again, then that might be a different <laughs> situation. But football isn't exactly related to what's going on at the moment in the, in the most obvious of ways. So I don't know. Maybe that's just me being cynical. Um, but I just think that it, it's fine. It's, it's okay to talk about football coming back. I love football. It's a big part of my life, a big part of your life. So yeah. why not want to discuss it coming back? I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing my family 10 times more because I've not seen them <laughs> for months and months and months, but I can still care about football. That's okay. That's allowed. Um, just on a personal question, you've had Ross McCrory on loan this season. Yeah. What are your thoughts on Ross McCrory? Do you know what? I was actually quite excited when he joined and there was a bit of um, debate over whether we had him on uh, loan with an option to buy yeah. um, various reports. I was t- informed that there was an option to buy. Other re- sources have said there's not an option to buy. No one's really 100% sure whether there is, but whether Portsmouth will buy him or not, I'm not sure because he's been injured a fair bit. Kenny yeah. Jacket has played him in, in centre midfield for a while his first game of the season, I think, against Shrewsbury, I think I was, I was there, but I can't remember whether it was him that got sent off. But he's, I think he did get sent off on, yes, his, on his debut for Portsmouth. Two yellow cards. And that was maybe after an hour. Um, and we've been crying out for this battling central midfield player because we've got quite a lot of finesse kind of ball-playing centre mids that are nice on the eye and, and can pick a pass, but not really anyone with a bit of steel. And we thought, from watching McCrory from, from his time at Rangers... Uh, and seeing what he did up there in the brief time that he's sort of had to show what he can do. He does have that about him uh, and he does put the, he does put the effort in, but Kenny Jacket in the last few months has been kind of using, using him as a right back, yeah. which I don't know whether that's where he's played at, at Jersey or whether he's been uh, played he's, that at youth Scottish international level or what. He's never played it for us, but he's, well, he's played it as us as a sub, but he's played for the Scotland under-21s a couple of times in that position as well. But mm. for us, for us, we, we've been told categorically there's not an agreement to buy. Like he's not for sale. He's our player. So we, we yeah. were a wee bit, when we seen those rumours, we were a wee bit panicking because we thought, why? Because he's played games for us where he's been the standout and we yeah. couldn't understand. And he's Scotland under-21 player, so I'm quite happy as long as he's getting game time, but maybe not mm. at but then Scotland have got a real problem at right back in the national side really? just now, so it might not be the worst case for them. Mm, yeah, well, he's not he's not getting that much game time at Portsmouth. I'm not sure whether that's due to injury. He has been on the sidelines a fair bit. He's actually been up to Glasgow a couple of times to get some rehab rather than staying down on the south coast. He's actually been up with Rangers medical team, sort of getting himself sorted. Um, he's been okay. I mean, I don't want to say I've been disappointed with him because I don't think he's. we've seen enough of him and we've yeah. seen a fair bit of him at right back and not in his usual position of of central midfield. So it's hard, it's tough. Um, but, you know, he keeps getting selected for the for the age group, for the under-23s or yep. under-21s or whatever it is. And has he got a twin brother as well? He's got a twin brother who's a goalie. It's actually like, a, it's quite a, quite a funny thing that's happened. There's a, a game last year, we got our goalkeeper sent off and Ross McCrory was on the pitch. <laughs> so he's he played the last 10 minutes in goal for Rangers. So he's played a, a league game for Rangers before his brother, who is a goalie. <laughs> and goal. <Very> good. <laughs> That's a nice little tidbit there. I enjoyed that. No, and he kept a clean sheet. Did he? Did he? That's decent. That we also had. Um, 
we had a Scotsman, Cal, Cal Naismith, who's at Wigan when he was at Portsmouth. He went in goal for a bit for us as well when we had a, a goalkeeping crisis. So <laughs> the Scots seem to be good at that. We need to get we need to get some in our team, get the gloves out. Because we're used to not having the ball. We've been only for just good goalkeepers because <laughs> it's probably the main job we need. Well, we've also got Mac- Craig McGilvery at, at Portsmouth. Right, okay. who, um, who's been picked for, for Scotland a couple, a couple of squads, times. Yeah. Like third choice keeper sort of thing. But Kenny Jackett's kind of ousted him recently. I think talk of a move to Rangers and talk of being called up for Scotland more regularly. I don't know whether that's swayed his mind frame or right, what, okay. he's kind of been forced out of the number one frame for, for right. the last few months. Um, so that was quite hotly tipped, actually, a move for McGilvery to, to Rangers. He's been really good for us last two seasons. Um, but I mean, you, you've, I think your keeping department's pretty solid, to be honest. I mean, I quite, old. I quite enjoyed, I thought Wes Fodderingham was decent. I, I saw a bit of him at Swindon a few years back and actually he's, he's pretty good. So, I mean, I don't know what the deal is with him. Was he kind of the more, when you were rising back up to, to the Brem, yeah. was that kind of where he fit in? Yeah, he's came in and uh, McGregor's taken his spot, but he's, I think he's in his last year. I think he's running this contract down, but it'll depend on McGregor. McGregor's, McGregor's old now, so, but mm. it'll depend what happens. So, I just want to say one thing. I'll explain the quiz. Yeah. So initially, it was going to just be a, a, a selection of questions. I was just going to ask the same guest, the same questions for, um, I think it's going to be now 50 different podcasts, but I realised that that would become very boring and very disinteresting very quickly. So <laughs> what I've done is take four categories, World Cups, European Championships, European yep. Cup competitions, UEFA, Europa Cup Winners' Cup and Champions League, and British football. So it's 25 questions from each of those categories. After every quiz, I take and sort in a random order, so the same numbers aren't in the same order. But the same questions do keep coming up, even if they're placed at 7 for 91. All I'm going to ask you is to choose numbers between 1 and 100 as you go. There are two Portsmouth questions in it. I didn't realise you are a Portsmouth fan before preparing it. <laughs> but there That's are it. two Portsmouth questions in it, so it will just be your potluck if you get any of them. So um, I'll let you know quickly. I won't tell you the top score to beat, but as long as you score more than two, you can't finish relegated. <laughs> well, well I was, I'm actually sceptical about that, to be honest. Like anything, <laughs> anything... Anything pre-2000, I'm going to struggle, I reckon. Um, anything before the turn of the century, but anything after that, I might have a chance. It's been quite interesting to see people, because I'm not part of this quiz, it's, it's quite interesting to see people losing their, people you know that have got good football knowledge lose their train of thought if they get the first couple wrong. <laughs> well, you don't even see to be able to play football. Absolutely lose the plot, honestly. Well, I haven't shaved my head yet, so I've not lost <laughs> the plot too much. I've got I've got headband. I'm refusing to do it with my hair. Nobody's touching my hair until a hairdresser's opened. Honestly, I, I've usually got reasonably long hair, but I mean, I look like Robbie Savage, like a B-set <laughs> Robbie Savage. Whereas I like to think I look like Andre Gomez, when actually I look more like bloody two guy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Doc, right. We'll get started. So if I can just get your first number for your first question. Okay, first number, I'll go 31. Oh my God. No way. Who scored Portsmouth's FA Cup winning goal in 2008? Surely that's not the first question. That's unbelievable. I'm going to have to take a picture of my screen right now just to prove that that's the case. That's that's 100% not been set up. I chose 31 because um, I was born on the 31st of August. So that's why I chose it. (laughs) 
I've taken the picture, but I can't send it to you until very later on because otherwise you'll see the answers to other questions. Okay, fine, fine. Can you just read the question again? Because I will never be forgiven in the whole of Portsmouth if I get this wrong. I'm not going to, but I just want to be sure. In the 2000 FA Cup final, who scored Portsmouth's winning goal? That was Nwankwo Kanu. And perfectly pronounced as well. I can't give you a bonus point, but perfectly (laughs) pronounced. Um, As as I said, I follow Arsenal, so he's absolutely one of my heroes. That that hat-trick against Chelsea was awesome. That's probably the first... I I honestly do think that was probably the reason I started following Arsenal, just from that that game. I've got a great story about Kane, if you you spare me a few few seconds. Yeah, go for it. Um, Obviously, he used to play with a hole in his heart, which not a lot of people know. Um, But we were in the... Europa League in 2009 so we had a couple of group games I think we had um, a preliminary qualifier away in in Portugal and uh, there's a guy who's been at Portsmouth for absolutely years who tells this story he's like the kit assistant his name's Barry Harris old fella lovely guy full of stories anyway it was his job Barry Harris to keep hold of the players passports going through the terminal ready for this trip away to get on the plane so they get to the airport and Baz has got all these passports and he opens them up. To, the woman says, can you just open them all up to the date of birth to make it easier? So he's opening all up to go, Nico Cranshaw, born 1985. Uh, Glenn Johnson, born 1982. Perfect. Yeah. And he gets to Carnu. It says, born 1975. And there's just no date of birth on there. Like it just, it just says born 1975 and that's it. It's just the date of birth was blank. There was nothing on there. Apparently he's only early 40s, but... If you listen to what Harry Redknapp says about Carnu being wheeled off the training ground in a wheelchair, I think you yeah. might have reservations on how old he actually is. <laughs> but I thought that was a good story that Carnu's date of birth on his passport was blank. There was, uh, I mean, it, it's a different place, right? Because there was loads of that. I remember in Italian football with all the, the Nigerian and Cameroon players, there was all of them going, I have no idea what age this guy is. No, I don't think any, I don't think they do themselves. If you ask Carnu, he probably thinks he's still 30-something. <laughs> Right, well, that, I cannot believe that. So there is one other Portsmouth-related question in there, but I, honestly, I've taken a picture of that. I'll need to send it to you, but I can't do it now because you'll see all the other questions. Okay. So um, number two? I will pick 17. At the European Championships in 2016, who scored England's last goal of the tournament? Oh, my days. Right, I've got an excuse for not knowing the answer to this because... I've still not seen the uh, highlights of the knockout defeat to Iceland because I was in Ibiza watching David Getter and I watched, <laughs> okay. David, I, I watched David Getter instead of watching the England game because I thought, oh, we got Iceland. Well, an arrogant England fan thought we'd breeze through. And then we got knocked out. And so we, we came out of this David Getter gig at about one, two o'clock in the morning. And it was just like, it was, there was this feeling of anger in the air. I was like, why is everyone so pissed off? What's going on? And then obviously <laughs> England, England had been knocked out by Iceland. So everyone was just absolutely fuming. I've still not watched the game, the highlights back. I think I remember someone telling me that Rooney scored a penalty. I'm not 100% sure, but my answer would be Wayne Rooney penalty. Rooney scored a penalty to give England the lead. Get in. There you go. Two for two. You're the first person to go two for two. I'm not bottom. I'm not bottom. I'll take that. Um, but I still haven't. I'll have to watch the highlights of that game because I still haven't seen it to this it, day. I watch. Well, it's a pretty dreadful. I mean, it depends on your point of view. For us, it was a pretty enjoyable game, but it's a pretty dreadful <laughs> game to watch in general. Yeah, I'll have to give it a watch. Um, so number three. Number three. Um, uh, we'll go number eight. Number eight. 
In the 2006 Champions League final, Barcelona came back late on to beat Arsenal 2-1. Who scored Arsenal's opening goal? Sol Campbell with a header. Oh, Jesus Christ, there we go. Get in. Big Sol, I mean, anything related to Portsmouth. Oh, of course. Big so Sol lifted the FA Cup. As I... So there's three Portsmouth-related goals. He, he was our captain when we lifted the FA Cup in 2008, yeah. which is a question we've already had. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what a start. I'll take that. It's all, wheels are coming off, though, from now. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we had that form. Right, so number four. Number four. Um, out of 100, yeah? Yeah. 99. At which World Cup did Brazil's Ronaldo first play? So which World Cup did Brazil's Ronaldo first play? I've recently watched loads of videos on Ronaldo and just forgot how good he was. I remember growing up, he was just an absolute idol of mine, just legendary. The fact that, that apparently the team with the kit that you're wearing now uh, apparently allegedly tried to poison him before the 98 World Cup <laughs> final um, I don't think he played 94 I, I mean I was born in 94 so I have no memory of that tournament whatsoever so I, I think it was 98 it was indeed France 98 but you've touched on the point of what I was trying to get at with the question he was in the Brazil squad for 94 but he didn't get any game time but he did get a World Cup's winner's medal really wow okay no I didn't know that no yeah but I, I just remember 98 I mean Around that time, he was class, wasn't he? He's just so, just so good. Like, it was different level. The dribbling with the and the finishing was on just. Yeah, there's like there's a couple of clips that have been going around uh, Twitter just now where there's there's a, there's a game in Italy where he's playing and the pitch is horrendous and the ball doesn't move. From just, the yeah, absolute on a string. Yeah. Unbelievable. Guy, guy was guy was class, absolutely class. I bet he'd still be good now. I mean, he's got a bit bit behind him now, bless him, but. <laughs> He's uh, he's uh, he's he's still absolutely mustard. Um, so that's Jesus Christ. That's four out of four. Um, question five. Uh, I'll go ninety-four. France player Just Fontaine is fourth on the all-time World Cup goalscorer list with thirteen goals. Over how many World Cups did he achieve that total? <sighs> wow. So four World Cups. Four, eight would be 16 years, which is feasible. So he's four, yeah. Close as the record holder. So he's fourth on the list with 13 goals. Over how many World Cups did he achieve that? Uh, Four seems just unrealistic. So I'm going to go three. He actually achieved over one World Cup in 1958. Wow. He scored 13 goals. I I don't know what the goalies were doing, but. (laughs) <laughs> um, he's, he's still there bloody hell 13 yeah. goals in one tournament yeah he got a hatch against Paraguay and four against Germany then a couple of doubles as well Jesus Christ fair play um, so you're still four out of five so you're, st- you're still on course to be very high up in the table I will say category, I won't tell you too many scores but nobody's got 10 out of 10 wow Jesus so, so you're still in the hunt um, okay we're question- on we're on yes question six Question number six, I will go with 10. In Euro 2004, Greece beat Czech Republic in the semi-finals. Which method of victory was this and what role did it see the end to? Oh, my dad was at this tournament, actually. My dad went to Euro 2004. I remember this uh, Czech Republic team because Pavel Nedved one of my favourite players. Uh, Ballon d'Or winner 2004, absolute geezer, love him. Um, 
the Greeks, I think they won that tournament, didn't they? I yeah. guess from the way that you said the end to that method, I guess it was something along the lines of golden goal or silver goal. I remember silver goal being in place for one tournament. But I can't remember whether it was a World Cup or a Euros, but I'm going to stab at silver goal. It was indeed the silver goal. They scored. They scored two minutes before the end of the first half, um, and then it, the game just finished. It was. It was the. It was the most bizarre rule um, that I'd ever seen because they put it in place. It. I, I guess it's just foot, non-football people making decisions on things. They said golden goal wasn't fair because it ended the game instantly, and they didn't want that to happen in the second half. So if somebody yeah. scored in the hundred sixth minute, they wanted forty minutes to get back, and then never thought if somebody scored a minute before half time of extra time. <laughs> it's just the stupidest idea and there's no re- there's obviously a reason I'm just stunned that any team with Samaras in it managed to get to any sort of final <laughs> <laughs> especially that, that Cherry Public team um, they, they knocked out Holland I think as well and it was, um, it was so it was Barros, Carl and Nedved was sicky. it was just an amazing front four to watch which absolutely yeah. because that was that was when Milan Barros was phenomenal yeah, yeah. Another player who came to Portsmouth and was bang average at best. <laughs> Who's probably is is it um, is it the boy Todorov? Is he probably the biggest what if? I remember Todorov being spoken about so highly in the, the well, early two sco- thousands. He scored loads of goals for us when we got promoted to the Premier League in two thousand and two three. He was our top scorer. Him and Yakubu. We signed Yakubu, but talk about African players that aren't their age. We signed a nineteen year year old Yakubu from Israel. If you go look at footage of Yakubu from then, cannot, you're not telling me that that man is nineteen <laughs> years of age. It's not. It's just not happening. It's not. I'm not having it. But um, Todorov, yeah. I mean, when we come up to the Premier League, we signed Teddy Sheringham because Todorov got injured. Uh, and he, it never really happened for him it, for us in the Premier League. Um, so yeah, I guess there was a big what if around whether he would have scored goals in the Prem when um, when he was fully fit. But yeah, um, that's a shame, really. I mean, we've had some we've had some good players. I mean, we even had Andy Cole down at Fratton Park for a bit, and that never worked out. So you know, we've had some good strikers down at Fratton Park. Um, just sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. It's just classic. We're we're one of those teams where we've we must have had. So many strikers, like you know those players. We think, oh, I forgot he played for them. Yeah. We're one of those. We're one of those teams where all the time we are in that category of, oh, I forgot he played for you. But every time you think of an obscure player, he must have probably been linked to Portsmouth in some way. Um, question seven. Hmm. Um. I will go twelve. Which Scottish internationalist set up Wigan's winning goal against Man City in the 2013 FA Cup? Who set up the which Scottish internationalist set up the winning goal for Wigan against Man City in the 2013 FA Cup? I remember this because I was it was one of the FA Cup finals and I was at uni, so I'm thinking it was a header from a corner. Yep. And it who, who took the corner? It's, did this? I can picture the lad because he went to Everton as well. Is that right? I think he did. Or was that a different guy? Because Wigan had lots of mooks and Max at that time. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's loads of them. Um, oh, I'm going to go with... Oh, I don't know. I want to say, say it's McCarthy, but I'm not 100% sure it is. Um, yeah, no, I'm not sure about that one. I know Thatcher scored. The, was it Thatcher? I can't remember who even scored. Um, I'll go with MacArthur. It was actually Sean Maloney. Maloney. Yeah, yeah that took the corner. 
for yeah, Wigan to beat Man City. That's a question I hope Ant McGinley gets, to be honest, just to see how just to see how his memory is of just being miserable. <laughs> Ant, would know, Ant would have no chance for that question. You're still McCarthy, on course. You're still McCarthy's on course. Irish anyway, isn't he? Mac, uh, McCarthy's Irish, James McCarthy's Scottish, and mm. Sean Maloney is Scottish slash Malaysian, I believe. But he is a oh, Scottish wow. international. I didn't know that. Um, question number eight. Oh, gosh. Um, 24. The hardest bit about this so far has been sh- trying to think of a number to pick. I, was, I don't know why I'm really struggling with that bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, in 1995, Ajax beat AC Milan in the Champions League final. Who scored the goal and to this day is still the youngest Champions League scorer? For Ajax? Yep. And to this day, he's still the youngest scorer in a Champions League final. Well, hang on. If, I, if I'm thinking on my Carnu basis that he was, he was born in 75 from that story that I told earlier, that would have made him 20 in the 95. I'm sure he played for Ajax, but I don't know if he scored in that final. I'm sure Carnu did play for Ajax. I think he's like, got a Champions League winner's medal, actually, from that. I think he was in that squad. Let me try and think. I want to, something's telling me Patrick Clivert. I don't know why. I'm going to go with Patrick Clivert. That's the correct answer. Yes. Patrick Clivert was, was 18, just under 19 years old when he scored the winner. He came off the bench and scored in 10 minutes to beat AC Milan 1-0. And then he moved yeah. to AC Milan the next summer. And then he, was, he ended up at Newcastle United for a bit, didn't he? Uh, he, went, he, went, he went about a, a lot after that. It was a, a, sorry, AC, Barca, and then just, uh, just picking up paychecks. Fell off a cliff, didn't he, after a while? His son uh, is, is is sons at Ajax as well. Is that right? I'm thinking. Um, Justin Justin Cliver. He's a good young player. Apparently, I don't I don't know too much he, about him. I think he's in Italy. I think he's in Italy now. Is he? Yeah, I think he moved to Italy after his breakthrough season. Maybe Roma. Hmm. Um. So six out of eight. Question nine. Uh, we'll go. Have I said twenty-two yet? 22. Don't think so. Nope. You've not said twenty-two. Twenty-two. We'll do it then. Valencia beat Marseille in the 2004 UEFA Cup final. Who was the Valencia manager that day? Jesus. 2004, Valencia. Had Ranieri been sacked from Chelsea at this point? Was Jose in? I think Jose was in. I don't know why I'm thinking Ranieri might have gone to Valencia. Um, Ranieri was the Chelsea manager that year because Mourinho came in 04 05 because. Ranieri was the manager the year Arsenal went unbeaten, which was this year. Fine, so not him. Mm. Yeah, I've just realised in talking about football, I've ruled out an answer you could have potentially given. So I apologise <laughs> to the people that have went before. That wasn't meant to be a clue. Oh, I see. I don't think it's going to help me much on this question, <laughs> to be honest. Valencia. I can't picture Valencia manager. Oh, I don't know. Luis Felipe Scolari. We'll go with him. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually Rafa Benitez in his last game in charge before he moved to oh, Liverpool. Of course it was. Rafa Benitez. Poor from me that. Should have got that one. So six out of nine. So last question. Last question. Okay. Um, what number should I go for? Let me try and think. Um, 63. If this is another Portsmouth question, then I, <laughs> I will not be able to believe my luck. No, it's not. This came out. Um, this came out in the last quiz as well, and I think it's actually one of the ones that stayed in the same number somehow. Um, which Liverpool player scored the only goal 
in three consecutive 1-0 wins for Liverpool at Old Trafford in 2001, 2002 and 2004. So Liverpool beat Man U 1-0, three consecutive games at Old Trafford and the same player scored the winning goal in a 1-0 victory. I see the Owen or Fowler. Unless Big Emil Heskey's been popping up with a few notches. But uh, <laughs> my Liverpool knowledge is, is thin at best. <laughs> um, it was Fowler or Owen. I'm, I want to say Robbie Fowler. It was Danny Murphy. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. No, no Danny Murphy scored a free kick in the edge of the box to Barthez's post. And then the Barthez. next year, it, then the next year it, was a, it was a Gerard whipped cross, kind of low, that he flicked over Barthez. And then he, I think I'd said he'd scored, it was a penalty he scored, and it was the first penalty that Manchester United had let in since like 94. Jesus. Like 10 years since the last penalty was given against them. Oh my God. No, no, Danny Murphy, no no chance with that one. So you got six out of 10. As the scores have went, six out of 10 has been is very respectable. Okay. So I've, gone from, I've gone from being on fire to respectable. Yeah, so you would. I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> I've even I've leveled out. As long as I beat Jim or Ant, I don't really I don't really mind. There's no way there's no way Jim or Ant are getting six. I'm sorry. I mean I, I don't mean I don't mean to blow my head <laughs> up, but there's just no chance. Now, thanks very much for doing this. I really appreciate your time. No problem, mate. Yeah, anytime. Um, if we need a tiebreaker between me and Jim, I'll be devastated and I'll probably tender <laughs> my resignation. <laughs> no problem, mate. I'll speak to you soon. Take care, John. Cheers All for right. that. Bye bye. Bye, mate. Bye. This podcast was written and produced by John Walker and Gary Black. For more of our podcast, please visit tramplebet.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.